If you're a fan of immersive audio fiction, you won't want to miss out on these shows from Pakal Media. The Madness of Chartrillion. Will this world accept my vision of the future? Or is all of this a mistake? The Nebulous Saga. You killed my family. They killed mine. And for ten years, I've been making the Alliance pay. Tales for Howling at the Full Moon. It is not my worth that brings me here. <sighs> it is my calling. Another day, another chosen one. To learn more about our shows and find out how to support independent creators, visit packhowlmedia.com. Welcome to Tales for Howling at the Full Moon, a microfiction anthology podcast with stories that range from the weird to the whimsical. I'm H.M. Radcliffe of Pacal Media, and this series initially came about as a way for my co-producer, Odd Andrews, and I to explore new ideas and just have a little fun with all the amazing friends and collaborators we were meeting through various projects. And they feature stories prompted by and released on each full moon. March's Worm Moon is all about finding balance and karmic endings. This month's story, Rough and Tumble, is a science fiction comedy about a bounty hunter on a quest for love. And of course, he has to run a gauntlet of high-tech booby traps in order to find it. This episode is probably the most ridiculous in a good way thing I and others have ever touched, and there are just too many Easter eggs in the sound design account. It's really fun. Here's Rough and Tumble. The year is 2236. Humanity has expanded outward throughout the galaxy, colonized countless worlds, met numerous alien life forms, murdered some of them accidentally or otherwise, and established itself as an integral part of the galactic community. Indeed, we've come a long way from Earth, both literally and figuratively. First contact with extraterrestrial life made us realize how silly we'd been for waging endless wars with each other. I suppose meeting a seven-foot-tall, eight-limbed bug creature from 12 light-years away really puts things in perspective. Makes you think, you know, maybe that fella down the road ain't all that different after all. Yes, we've built a kind and sustainable future for ourselves. A real utopia, one in which we can live, prosper, be happy. But there's one thing in this bright future that remains the same. Dayton still sucks. My name is Willet Robers. Most folks call me Tumble, though. I work as a bounty hunter, uh, that is to say, a criminal acquisition specialist for the Joint Entities for Regulative Command, or JERK. It's my job to hunt down certain malefactors and bring them in to face justice, making a tidy chunk of cash for myself in the process. It's a good job, one that helps keep the peace, but it's dangerous and it don't give me a lot of time for socializing, so I hadn't exactly had a lot of success in the finding love department. Not for lack of trying, though. I done speed dating. 
Say something interesting. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, what do people find interesting? Just say any anything at all. Just really, just say anything. Anything. Suppose I could talk about my job. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Well, I work for Jerk, catching bad guys for money. Uh, sometimes it's dangerous, and I'd like to meet someone who knows how to remove shrapnel and cauterize open wounds. And look, you know what? Can we start over? I want to do the introduction again. Ah. You know, now that I think about it, I don't think that fella liked me very much. Anyway, uh, some of my friends even set me up on a blind date. You know, this has been a lovely night. I really like you. But I gotta ask, what's with the mask? I knew you'd get there eventually. I'm an infinitarian. Beneath my mask is a vision of all that is, was, or ever will be. An unending, unknowable horror. To gaze into it could destroy the minds of mortal men and bring existence as we know it to a standstill. I'm sorry, I kind of zoned out there for a second and missed what you said. But if it's about your looks, don't you worry. I ain't no Mona Lisa either. Why don't you take that off? I promise I won't say a thing. That is an extremely terrible idea. Oh, come on. It can't be that bad. What is it? You got crooked teeth or something? I don't mind. Oh, but it's nerfing. You really missed the whole unknowable horror thing, huh? What's that now? Wow. Never mind. Don't say I didn't warn you. There, see? That's not so, so bad. Uh, oh, oh, God. Oh, God. Ah, ah! I was blind for six months after that. It seemed like every date I went on ended in total disaster. I had all but given up on ever finding love. But then I met Ruff. Well, met may not be the correct word here. Apprehended may be more accurate. You see, Rafaelia Tarkatalona was a political assassin accused of blowing the others off a Movarian diplomat, and I had been assigned to bring her into the jerk to face the consequences of her actions. She was the toughest bounty uh, criminal acquisition I had ever embarked upon. I discovered through my contact a pescatite named Gil that Rafaelia was hiding out in the Vorbirum cluster. 
in a dead system known only as Nearum 353. Now, Nearum 353 only has three planets in its orbit. Nearum A, a tiny little thing so close to its star that it's more or less a big hunk of charcoal. Nearum B, which is so cold you could use it as an ice cube in the galaxy's largest old-fashioned. And then, sitting right there in between the two, there's Hank. Hank is what's called a Goldilocks planet. It's located exactly in the right position in the star system to support carbon-based life and is a tropical paradise from pole to pole. No one's really sure who named Hank Hank or why, and it's been impossible to figure out exactly which species could have named it because Hank, in an unfathomable coincidence, is a name in the languages of every single known galactic race. Many have laid claim, but none have been able to prove ownership, and so Hank remains completely uninhabited, which made it the perfect place for a criminal on the lam to hide out. I mean, if you're gonna be hiding from the law, you might as well do it in a tropical utopia, am I right? Anyway, I made my way to Hank and scanned the planet from orbit. To my surprise, I picked up three distinct humanoid signatures. I'd have to track down each of them if I wanted to find my target. The first was a scientist who believed that Hank was actually a sentient creature and that the cave he was camping in was actually one of its nostrils. Though judging by its location close to the southern pole and the smell, I would have assumed it was an entirely different orifice. The next guy turned out to be the award-winning actor, Vodabon Kessel Forget. He was preparing for a role in which he'd be playing a scientist searching for a fabled sentient planet. I pointed him in the direction of Hank Sanus and went on my way. Now by the time I made it to Ruff's hideout in a cave set into the side of a verdant canyon, the area had already been heavily fortified. After a brief scan of the defenses, I identified 37 Splosatec M67 turbo mines, 14 Murdertron 600 series laser snares, and 6 Annihilatrix Corp semi-sentient AI ultra-death autocannon turrets, which are illegal in five sectors. I don't even know where she got those. There's only one way in or out. She had thought of everything. But one thing she didn't count on was Willet Tumbleroo. Now, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but, well, let's just say I've won my fair share of trophies at the Intergalactic Criminal Acquisition Awards. First, I took out the mines, which was a simple matter of finding and luring some of the more trusting indigenous fauna into the minefield with the promise of delicious zoophil beans on the other side. Needless to say, it was extremely messy, and if I'm being honest, uh, not my proudest moment. Next came the snares. Now, laser snares can cut you into about a thousand tiny meat cubes if you get caught, but they have one fatal flaw. Soft cheese. You see, the snares only trigger when they detect something in their conical sensor zone, but for one reason or another, soft cheeses, like a fine brie or a camembert, don't register as anything at all. So I slathered myself up with a few pounds of gorgonzola and walked right through. The last hurdle 
That being the auto turrets was the trickiest yet. Now it used to be with these fancy AI guns that you could shout out a paradox like, this statement is false, and it would implode and that would be that. But improvements in the technology have made that method obsolete. However, due to an indiscreet coder's love of vintage earth pop mega hits, the AI in each and every Annihilatrix Corp unit is cripplingly susceptible to earworms. So much so that the Hexagonians of Polygon 9 lost their entire royal family when the Abstrati from the Mobium Cluster blasted out a certain Rick Astley number and disabled all their defenses. Needless to say, I approached carefully and belted out at the top of my lungs, What is love? Waited for the inevitable, and then strolled right past to the robotic sounds of six death machines singing Hadaway's 20th century classic. Having eliminated her defenses, I checked my weapons and moved forward into the cave system hugging close to the beautifully striated rock walls. As I edged up to the entrance of the hollow in which my scanners told me she was hiding, I knew I had the advantage. Miss Tarkatalona, I recommend you come out peacefully. I'd rather this not get ugly. I spoke with as much authority as I could muster. <laughs> Eat Bosk shit! She replied, not entirely unexpected. Well, that's not very nice. I muttered to myself, and then, Alrighty, have it your way. And I swung into the room, placed her at the ready, and froze in place when I saw her. Long, flowing tendrils, framing a soft blue face with three glowing violet eyes. I had never seen a more radiant vision in my life. At that moment, my heart stopped. Because she shot me. It only took a few seconds for my Corpo-Corp internal auto-defect unit to revive me. But in those few brief moments, as I lie on my back, looking up at the face of that extraterrestrial angel, as she spoke the words, Why are you covered in cheese? I knew in my heart of hearts, I had found my soulmate. She was unsurprisingly caught off guard when I sprung forward and disarmed her, throwing her blaster across the room. But I could tell by the knife that was now stuck in my side that I had underestimated how quick she really was. I swept her legs out from under her and dove for my blaster, only to be pulled backwards in midair by the energy whip she had lassoed my feet with. She was a crafty one, but I'm no slouch either. I pulled the blade out of my gut and cut the wire, causing her to tumble backwards into the dirt. We both sat in the dust of the cave floor for a moment, looking back and forth between each other and our respective blasters. Then, in the same instant, we scrambled to our feet, dashed for our guns, grabbed them up, spun, and fired. After the bright light and resonating sound had dissipated, we saw that we had each shot the weapon cleanly out of each other's hand. A truly astounding feat. One in a billion. We both stared in shocked disbelief as the realization of what just happened washed over us. And then we laughed. I walked casually over to Raphael and smiling, extended a hand. 
She took it in hers and smiled back. She didn't see the taser in my other hand. She dropped like a sack of potatoes. I flew her back to the jerk to claim my bount er acquisition commission. You know, business is business after all. But on the way, we sat and we talked, compared scars and kills, and laughed. Over the next five years, I would visit her in prison every weekend and tell her about my latest jobs. When she was released, I helped her get her license and a job with the jerk. Now Rough and Tumble are the most feared CAS team in the galaxy. Together we track the worst criminal elements across the cosmos. I suppose the moral of this story is never give up on finding love. It just might pop up in the most unexpected places. And also invest in a Corpo Corp internal auto defib unit. For real, it is a literal lifesaver. Rough and Tumble was written and performed by Odd Andrews. It also featured the voices of Sarah Lynn as a speed dater, B. Narr as the unknowable horror, Edward Calvey as the interviewer, and Aaron Lundquist as Ruff. Tumble's intro and showdown themes by Odd Andrews. Additional music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Sound design and mix by H.M. Radcliffe. Opening music was provided by Alexander Miller of Maps and Melodies, makers of immersive battle maps and original music for D&D and other TTRPGs. This has been a Pacal Media original production. You can learn more about our other shows, The Madness of Chartrullian and The Nebulous Saga at pacalmedia.com. See you next full moon.